Our first lesson today is taken from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 61, verse 10, through chapter 62, verse 3. I surely rejoice in the Lord. My heart is joyful because of my God, because he has clothed me with clothes of victory, wrapped me in a robe of righteousness, like a bridegroom in a priestly crown, or like a bride adorned in jewelry. As the earth puts out its growth, and as a garden grows its seeds, so the Lord God will grow righteousness and praise before all the nations. For Zion's sake, I won't keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I won't sit still until her righteousness shines out like a light and her salvation blazes like a torch. Nations will see your righteousness, all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name, which the Lord's own mouth will determine. You will be a splendid garland in the Lord's hand a royal turban in the palm of God's hand. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So reading from the prophet, and now a reading from Luke, continuing the story of Christmas, because after all, we're still in Christmas. So when the time came for their ritual cleansing, in accordance with the law of Moses, they brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. It's written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male will be dedicated to the Lord. They offered a sacrifice in keeping with what's stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. A man named Simeon was in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout. He eagerly anticipated the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that he wouldn't die before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. Led by the Spirit, he went into the temple area, Meanwhile, Jesus' parents brought the child to the temple so that they could do what was customary under the law. Simeon took Jesus in his arms and praised God. He said, Now, Master, let your servant go in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation. You prepared this salvation in the presence of all peoples. It's a light for revelation to the Gentiles and a glory for your people Israel. His father and mother were amazed by what was said about him. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This boy is assigned to be the cause of the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that generates opposition, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your innermost being too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, who belonged to the tribe of Asher. She was very old. After she married, she lived with her husband for seven years. She was now an 84-year-old widow. She never left the temple area, but worshipped God with fasting and prayer night and day. She approached all at that very moment and began to praise God and to speak about Jesus to everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Mary and Joseph had completed everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to their hometown, Nazareth in Galilee. The child grew up and became strong. It was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. This is the word of God for the people of God. All right, so as we've been doing, I'll spend a little bit with some of the children who I know are um, watching online. I know we, um, I know they are because I hear from them. So, have you ever waited a very long time for something? Sometimes when you're waiting, even a short period of time seems long. We talk about months or years sometimes waiting, but sometimes even a few hours is a long time. How do you think it'd feel, thinking about how you feel when you're waiting for something, how do you think it'd feel waiting your whole life for something? Simeon was a man who 
lived a long time ago in Jerusalem, and he waited his whole life, 80 or 90 years, for something very special to happen. He was waiting to meet someone very important. Who do you think that is? Well, it's Christmas, that's a hint. He was waiting for the Savior. He was waiting to meet Jesus. God let Simeon know that before he died, he'd get to see this Savior, Jesus, face to face. He waited his whole life for that to happen. And then it finally did, when he was an old man. Simeon knew who the baby was as soon as Mary and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple. He knew. He took Jesus in his arms. He was excited that he burst into song. You ever been so happy you started just singing? Wow. Imagine that kind of happiness seeing Jesus. Imagine what Mary and Joseph must have felt for this dignified old man to come up to them, hold their baby, and have such excitement that he breaks into the song. When we're excited, it's sometimes hard to listen. The days after Christmas are filled with excitement as we play with our new things and wear our new clothes. And probably already someone's asked you what your favorite gift of Christmas is. Maybe you've mentioned something that you got for Christmas. But Simeon's answer would be Jesus. And who knows, maybe that should be our answer too, that the best thing we got for Christmas was Jesus. Let's pray. Dear God, we, we praise you for filling our hearts with songs to sing. We praise you for sending Jesus to us and giving us something so wonderful to sing about. Remind us of Simeon as we listen to others and tell them of our favorite Christmas gift this year, your son Jesus. Amen. I know this year has been a little different for well, all of us, but we, some of us have had some holiday guests or, or been to see some family. Some have had those meetings virtually via Zoom or some other, some other platform. Those can be somewhat entertaining as people try and figure out how to be seen and heard. But it's that we do that because we, we kind of enjoy being around each other, right? Um, we enjoy the company. Whether it's in person or, or virtual, we still enjoy the company. Well, enjoying the company also means celebrating the Christ among us, the chief guest, who's also our host. Our worship regularly is a celebration of that presence amongst us. Our prayers acknowledge Christ as, as born among us. And our songs, they're not just about the baby, they're also a call to go and tell the story. Isaiah tells us to celebrate the new spring that has been planted in us. Yes, it's the dead of winter, and yes, it's cold outside, but spring is coming, right? He tells us to rejoice in that spring, in that new clothes of righteousness. Of course, that's figurative. I don't know if anybody, you know, when you unwrap your packages on Christmas morning, you don't often get clothes of righteousness. We've joked in our family sometimes when you open up the Christmas gift and you get something to wear, um, it's software. So for the computer geeks around us, you know, hey, we got software, you know, because it's something to wear. And I remember, you know, Christmas was always the time you got new clothes, right? You got new clothes right before school, you got new clothes at Christmas and maybe a birthday, and not always other times. So there's something special about that new thing. And whether it's, and even our physical clothes can help make us feel different, right? And make us feel new and refreshed. I have a reminder of newness. Right, Elizabeth? I have a reminder of newness right here. Yes, that's Yoda. It's fun, right? But it's something new that we can enjoy. So not only are new clothes make us feel good, 
there is something deeper. And Isaiah's new clothes of righteousness are something that we really can get behind. But see, when we get that, though, something has to happen. Isaiah tells us we can't keep silent. Let there be shouts of, and songs of joy. Now, they could be face-to-face, you know, across the room, or they could be online. It doesn't really matter. The songs don't, how we do it matters less than the fact that we do it. So we can enjoy the company we've welcomed. Sometimes it takes some work, though. As a youngster, I remember hearing classical music playing from my dad's stereo on a regular basis. Now, it was nothing like I heard my friends talking about at school, talking about you know, there's other music, right? You know, it wasn't exciting necessarily. It wasn't hip. The fact that I use that word says something about my age. But there weren't words to tell you what the song was about. I didn't understand necessarily classical music. But then I began playing the bass. And as I played in more orchestras and played more and more difficult pieces, many of which I had heard on that stereo, I learned to appreciate that music more. By playing it, I learned how to listen to it. See, true listening is not something that's automatic. It's an acquired skill. You have to know what to listen for. Does that make sense? So now when I listen to music, I, I, from all kinds of music, I listen more for some of the things that are less obvious, the things in the background, the, the harmonies, and the, there's a depth sometimes that you don't normally, that you don't get on the surface. And it can be in any type of music. But I had to learn how to listen. And listening doesn't get many admirers, not like playing it does, right? I mean, a good listener, somebody listening to music is not going to get the accolades that somebody playing the music is. But listening is still very important. It's essential for our relationships with each other, and it's essential for our life in, in, in faith and in the Spirit. So this week in the Gospel lesson, we heard about a professional listener, a man who dedicated his life to listening. And then when the time came, he played. He sang the song he'd been listening for. So Simeon had learned how to listen. His name actually means heard. It's what he was born to do, apparently, and he did. He listened. Day and night, he listened. He was listening for the future. He was listening for hope, the consolation of Israel, as Luke puts it. He was listening for what would bring peace, that would bring light. He listened day and night, day after day. He went to the temple area to listen. He heard the cries of the people, he heard the songs of the prayers, the happy celebrations that seemed so loud sometimes, but good-hearted anyway. And he heard the ritual ones, the, the prayers that are said out of rote that sometimes seem like they've lost their meaning. But sometimes those same prayers with meanings so deep. He heard the wordless prayers that were wept from crying and reddened eyes, the prayers of anguish wrung out in twisted scraps of cloth between hands that are just holding on. He heard the proud and grateful prayers of people who knew how blessed they were. He heard them. He heard them all. The day that Mary and Joseph walked into the temple, he heard something different. I mean, here are these parents, these new parents. Now, for any who had children, you know, new, being a new parent is exhausting. And they journeyed from Nazareth to Jerusalem to Bethlehem, back to Jerusalem, 
I'm sure they were weary. Here they are coming to the temple and meeting these two elders of the temple who also knew something about time, but also about listening. As Mary and Joseph worked to fulfill the obligations they had according to the law, Simeon heard something different. See, Simeon heard more because he, was, he listened deeper. Not only had he heard people's prayers, he had listened to responses. He'd heard the sighs of the Spirit as it flowed into people's hearts and souls to help those that are hopeless and broken. He'd heard the soothing songs of, of blessing as it played in hearts. He'd heard the invitation of the God he loved to follow, to obey, to keep close and stay awake. He'd heard. But that day, what he heard changed. It went to a higher key, a, a note of anticipation. And he followed the leading and welcomed the one who comes. Gave this amazing song. Nun dimittis is the words of that song in Latin. Now watch your servant depart in peace. It's, a, it's become part of, the, part of the important part of the telling the story of Christ. See, he went from listening, and when he heard what he'd been searching for, he went to telling the story, to singing the song. Because Luke tells us that he was promised that he wouldn't die until he heard what he was listening for, we sometimes take this, this now let your servant depart in peace as him saying it's time to die. Maybe he was saying it's time to stop listening and start telling. Maybe he'd heard, he'd heard everything, his ears were full, and now it's time to start singing. He tells Mary this amazing story of what's going to happen. And then Anna comes uh, and joins in, right? So, so she comes in and and runs from person to person telling who this child is. She asks them to join in telling the story, to sing the song. And we get together. We can't stand completely silent in worship. It doesn't matter if we think we can sing or not. We're supposed to sing what we can. Now, right now, I know this season has been difficult. But sometimes it's our inner thoughts that need to be revealed anyway. I mean, singing is a little problematic right now. We've been, and we're not singing aloud while we're together. Those pesky droplets, after all, right? That's what we have to do in our current season. But see, the Spirit still needs to be shared. The song still needs to be sung, even if it's only in our hearts and in our heads at the moment. That's why we never stopped having music and worship. It's been easier just to drop it all together. But see, music helps tell the story and give us hope, even if for now we can't do it out loud. So the Spirit had, had been resting on Simeon, Luke says. Rested. Not stirred up, not agitated, not poked or prodded, but rested. Maybe if, we're, maybe if we're listening more to the Spirit, then we might know rest better. Because we need to tell the story. Being rested helps us do that. Now Isaiah, back to the Isaiah passage, doesn't talk necessarily about singing, but it could have been. It talks about celebrating. Isaiah writes about rejoicing. He talks about shouting. I will not keep silent, he proclaims. What brings about all that celebrating and shouting and maybe singing? Well, it's the new growth, Isaiah claims. It's what's happening in the community of faith by God's action. So we, when we enjoy the company of God that's brought us into our midst, we spend part of that time listening. Whether we're talking about Christ, who is born among us, or the guests who come because we put out the welcome mat, we need to listen to hear the story. We need to hear God's story. We need to hear the story of those around us so that we can tell the story together. 
teach our songs, our stories, Christ's stories, so that together we can put on that garment, we can wear the diadem, that's not quite right, we can be the diadem. That's what Isaiah said. Go back and read the passage. See, it's, it's that we can be the sign that God is in our midst. That's our job. We're not just spectators. We have to tell the story. And this is the greatest story ever told. This is the story of God's love. The story of, of Christmas, in, the Christmas incarnation is God's love, Emmanuel, God with us, God made real and in the flesh and here with us. That is a life-changing revelation. It starts with each one of our hearts. But it can't just stop there. We have to tell the story. How much do we enjoy the company? When we do, we talk about the gathering, don't we? When we have a great time at a family reunion, we talk about it for a while after, don't we? When we see family that we haven't seen in a while, we talk about it a while after. My family still talks about our trip that, was, that began a year ago. When we enjoy the company, we keep telling the story. So let us keep telling the story of the best guest we've ever received. Let us listen, as Simeon did, to see God's signs around us to help us continue to tell that story. There are songs to sing. There are stories to tell. There is hope to give. There is light to shine into the darkness in the world around us. How much do you enjoy God's company? Hopefully enough, you've got to tell someone else about it. Amen.